everyone. Welcome to Soulmates Podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Rachel. Hey, what's up? What up? So today we're going to talk about the rise and fall of K-pop groups. And that sounds a little foreboding. Yes, sounds a little philosophical. In fact, these next couple episodes might be a little philosophical. Yeah. Yeah. Might be like that. Who knows? Sometimes we get like this. <laughs> Something about spring. Yeah. You know, something about spring. Something about spring. It's our podcast, not yours. (laughs) So, the rise and fall of K-pop groups. Basically, we're just talking about the Korean wave and and K-pop music in general. We're not experts. I'm, I'm putting that out right now. Not at all. But this is just the knowledge that we have accumulated over the many years of liking K-pop and being in the K-pop fandom. And we've actually been wanting to talk about this for a while. Specifically, the disappearance and disbandment of a lot of the Gen 2 K-pop groups. And we kind of want to discuss why maybe your favorite groups are not around any longer. And kind of how K-pop came about in the first place. And how it is shaping itself to stick around for much longer in the future. Yeah, you guys know that we are old bitches who like old K-pop. Yep. But old K-pop to everyone is only music that came out like eight years ago. Yeah. It is not that long ago, guys. (laughs) Very true. So let's get into it. So first we're going to talk about the start of K-pop as an industry. So based upon just cursory research that we've done, K-pop started in the 1980s as a government initiative the South Korean government's initiative to make music a main export of the country. And since then, the rest is history. There have been ebbs and flows in the so-called Korean wave, or Hallyu as it's called, all things related to K-pop, K-dramas, that sort of thing. In the 80s, it became popular, it kind of went back, and then in the 90s, it had another resurgence, Mm -hmm. and then it came back. And then, bitch, in like 2006, 2007, Mm -hmm. it hit again receded a little bit, and then 2010, 2012 really hit back really hard, and now it's hitting back hard again. Yes, it's it's really, I feel like in the past decade, K-pop has solidified itself in the international music industry. A lot of people know about it now, especially with the viral hit of Psy's Gangnam Style, the rise of the internet, like just improving the internet and improving sites like YouTube where you can not only interact with music um, auditorily, but you can visually also. And I feel like a lot of K-pop is that visual factor. So I feel like as YouTube got better, the possibility for a K-pop music video to go viral increased. So I feel like K-pop, especially in the last decade, has grown a lot and is here to stay. I mean, if you go on any random day and look at the trending, odds are there will probably be some sort of K-pop related video on there at some point. Every day. With the rise of YouTube is also the rise of K-pop because K-pop is so visual. Mm -hmm. You know how people say that you eat with your eyes as well as your mouth? You listen to K-pop with your eyes as well as your ears. Yes, for sure. I agree. So let's kind of back up a little bit and talk about the overall industry turnover rate for K-pop. So the nature of K-pop is that 
a group signs a specific contract. And we'll talk about contracts more in just a little bit. But the turnover rate really does not necessarily depend on the group's fan base or how popular they are like it would in the American music industry. It really has to do with an individual group's talent or even individual people in the group, their talent, as well as the contract that they've signed and also the entertainment companies, how happy they are with the groups and what their future goals are, which may not have your group's best interests at heart. If you just see anything about CL's album and YG, you know what we're talking about. With these entertainment companies, I mean, it's sad because it's it still seems like the CEOs have a lot of control and they're human just like you and I and they have their temperaments. And if the CEO of the company doesn't like you or doesn't like your group or anything like that, you're not getting anything. You don't even get table scraps. You get no promotion, no music, no acting, no modeling, nothing. So turnover rate can vary if you have like immense star power like boa or rain or shinwa you can stay around for many many years but to have something like a whole group of people like that that's Mm. pretty rare yes and you know you may be thinking oh my biased group they're all talented but really think about it Think about who shines. Think about who the entertainment company is putting the most money into to make look most unique and promote the most. Because there's always one to three people that they are promoting more than any of the other group members. It's because it's those people that the entertainment company thinks will make the most money for the entertainment company. Exactly. So let's let's go ahead and talk about entertainment companies. Emily, you made a really good point, so I'll let you start with that. So... We say entertainment companies not only because it's in most of their names, you know, SM Entertainment, YG Entertainment, JYP Entertainment. Yes. Um, We say that to distinguish them because in the Western music scene, you have music labels. And those are the companies responsible for producing and distributing music. In South Korea, you have entertainment companies. They are not just a music label. They are an all-encompassing entertainment content hub. We're talking acting, modeling, and music. So if you are in a company, they are going to promote you for not only your music, they're also going to get you on a K-drama. They're also going to put you in ads for Pepsi. They're Mm -hmm. also going to make you strut down Soul Fashion Week. You are not just a musician. No, no, no. If you sign to an entertainment company... You are a jack of all trades. Yeah, I feel like that distinguishing factor is super important because American music labels, they just don't have the same work vibe as an entertainment company does, in my opinion. There are three big entertainment companies that I'm sure you've heard of if you've listened to K-pop at all, and they are SM Entertainment, YG, and JYP. And they have the most money to throw at their groups. So I'm sure you've heard of their popular groups. Blackpink for YG, Red Velvet for SM, and JYP's group is Twice. Yeah, those are the big girl groups. Think Super Junior and Shiny for SM. For YG, it was Big Bang. (laughs) Yes. Uh, (laughs) Question mark. Question mark, question mark. And then JYP had JYP. 
So those are the big three, but there's also a bunch of other companies as well. We have some mid-tier ones like Cube, which had Hyuna and Pentagon, mm-hmm. um, Stone and Lowen and etc. There's a bunch of them. Yes. So as you can see, this industry is dominated by like a few big companies. And then there are like the mid-tier companies that sometimes have good groups, sometimes don't. But in general, it's just those three companies. That being said, even though the big three have a lot of money, they all rely, the big three and the mid-tier companies all rely heavily on their fan base, on individual group groups' fan bases for marketing. And they expect the group members to be the ones promoting themselves and their group 24-7. Whether that's on a music show, whether that's on their social media, K-pop group members are constantly live on Instagram, are constantly putting themselves out there. There's even an app, I think, that you can directly interact with K-pop members, too, it's, for a certain fee, I feel like. I'm pretty sure. Am I thinking of the right thing? There's like a Korean, ver- like, it's not cacao. It's like a Korean version of Twitter, almost. It's like a hybrid of like Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> but they're they're constantly putting themselves out there. And that's really, it's kind of like the entertainment company is putting the onus on the group. If you want to be successful, you got to promote yourself. We're going to get you on this talk show, but you got to do the rest of the legwork. And I feel like that is diabolical, but also very smart because they don't have to push a group that doesn't want it, I guess. And obviously, if a group is very popular like BTS, they're going to get more support. Mm -hmm. They're going to get more promotion. They're going to get... Uh, billboards and stuff like that Mm -hmm. but if you are kind of just debuting and you're not at a super big company you really gotta work you gotta really hard you gotta work bitch yeah (laughs) seriously you better work work because (laughs) if you don't you will fall into just obscurity uh, that was the word i was looking for yes (laughs) sorry They will. They'll, they will fall into obscurity and they won't be invested in and the entertainment company will not invest in you, will just let you fall by the wayside to contracts over. Yeah. And these contracts have non-competes. It's not like you can just be like, okay, well, if this is done, I'm going to go do my own solo stuff on YouTube. People have gotten sued for making YouTube channels. Yeah. It's not that easy. And especially if you're in, like, your prime, if you're, like, 21 years old in a group and it fails, you're stuck till it's done. And by the time you're, like, 24, you're too old for most groups. I mean, keep in mind, a lot of idols debut 16, 17, 18. Mm -hmm. People say that Boa is old. She's only in her early 30s. Yeah. People get signed to entertainment companies when they are 10. Mm-hmm. nine years old very very young and they train for five or six years you have been working so much time behind the scenes in mm-hmm. dancing lessons singing lessons acting lessons styling people have gotten plastic surgery you don't have any real control over how you look over your hair you are giving up a lot to do this to pursue your dream to be an idol And if you're in a group that just doesn't take off, not only can you not go do your own thing until your contract expires, it feels like you have wasted the past nine years of your life. Very true. And because the company 
pour so much money into these trainees, the groups do not get paid very well unless they become famous because they have to pay back all of that money to the company that the company sunk into them. And it's written in their contract that they have to do that before they even can think about getting a decent paycheck. Mm-hmm. You know, especially like if you're two or three plastic surgeries in, that could be like 30 or 40 grand mm-hmm. that you have to pay back before you get a paycheck. And if your contract runs out, well, they wipe their hands of you and you're left holding the bag, essentially. Mm-hmm. No money. No money. There was this big stink pretty much online a couple months ago where someone from Cosmic Girls was like, oh yeah, we haven't been paid yet. And they've been making music for like three years. Yeah. It's insane. It's just wrong too. Yeah, Cosmic Girls are not the most popular girl group, but they're still making music. I still know who they are. Mm -hmm. I like the music that they release. So you have to think the idols that you love, especially in these small just debuting groups, they're not making any money. They're not making any money. We also think that the contracts that these entertainment companies force these children to sign Mm -hmm. are incredibly stunting. Like, they don't get to date when they sign these contracts. They basically, like Emily was saying, they sign their lives away for the next 10, 12, 15 years, and they don't get to grow up like a normal teenager. No. They don't. Now, I feel like we are slowly... Chipping away at this culture, especially with the good news of Hyuna got kicked out of her entertainment company, Cube, because she was dating another member of Cube Entertainment, Edon, and they essentially got kicked out of Cube. They left, but then they were signed on to Psy's music label, P Nation. So I'm glad that he is starting the trend of, hey, it's okay if two people date each other. It's perfectly fine. It has no impact on their ability to make music. Now, I do understand that you may not want like a 16-year-old just going out and being crazy and dating because maybe that's a little irresponsible. But I feel like once they are past the age of 18, they are adults. They should be allowed to do what they want and date who they want. I feel like if you're old enough to be put into military service, you should be able to date whoever the fuck you want. T. <laughs> Not only are these contracts restrictive, but they also keep K-pop idols working very, very long work hours. Like we said, the promotional cycle does not end. If you're in an entertainment company, they are keeping you booked. Mm-hmm. You are doing something. Unless you really, really piss someone off and they, and they shelve you like they did to CL, you are constantly doing stuff. Even if you're in a girl group, like Girls' Day, those girls don't really get to release music, but they are on a lot of Mm K-dramas. So that's why you hear stories of idols getting exhaustion, traveling in the middle of the night in a van. That's what happened to Ladies Code. uh, in The horrible, horrible car wreck that killed some of their members. Most of their members. Because they were up doing promotions and they had to go somewhere and it was in the middle of the night and the driver of their van fell asleep at the wheel and people died. It's really awful. Like, they don't get to have a break unless they are hospitalized because they are dehydrated and physically exhausted because they don't get to sleep very much. They don't get fed well. And it is go, 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 go constantly. Like we said when we were talking about the Red Velvet concert, Irene looked like she was about to pass out most of the concert. And 
you know, at the end, they're like, we're all sick, (laughs) essentially. And I was like, how much time was there between them doing a concert in California and a concert in Florida? Travel takes it out of you. Everyone gets a little sick when they travel, especially if they don't get a lot of sleep. And they were doing that constantly. At some point, something has to give. You know, at some point, they're just going to collapse on stage. And that's not a good experience for anybody. The audience doesn't want to see that. I felt horrible that she felt that way. And it's it's really not their fault. And it's not necessarily the fans fault either. It is the entertainment company that is deciding that the tour is like this. And that it's not just they're touring for six months. And it's really crazy for six months. It's been crazy for them since the beginning. They have been doing stuff nonstop releasing album after album after album and touring and doing a million things. And it's the entertainment company's fault that they'd never get a break. Yeah. It's not fair. So obviously we're not saying this is every situation for every idol or at every entertainment company, but this is what we perceive to sadly be the norm. So uh, now that we've trashed entertainment companies, <laughs> now that we've dragged them, yes, let's talk about girl groups versus boy group biases. So we, as you probably know, are a little biased towards girl groups <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> I'm trying to be better about that for our music releases. I'm trying to hunt down the boy groups, y'all. YouTube recommends what it recommends to me. Girl groups usually have a shelf life of like five to ten years, and then they're gone. I also feel like girl groups get less attention overall because the main K-pop audience is straight women. And since K-pop is very visual, straight women, while they could appreciate, you know, pretty girls and appreciate the music, it is less appealing to them than sexy boys and sexy man music. I... I don't know. I mean, we could have a whole episode on why I like girl groups more. Yeah. I just think they're more stylish. Like, I love the I love the visual element. They're just mm-hmm. so... I feel like the concepts are just more in-depth and mm-hmm. better, and the style is better, and the songs are catchier, and the dance moves are funner. Mm-hmm. They're not so, like, I'm a male cheerleader. I'm doing hip-hop moves. Like, <laughs> the, the, I'm a b-boy. <laughs> yeah, you know. But we'll save that for another for another episode. But a lot of the times, especially younger straight women, don't really want anything to do with girl groups. They just don't care. They'll have like one that they like. People used to say like, oh, you know, if you only like to anyone, that doesn't count. So if you only like Blackpink and no other girl groups, that doesn't count. <laughs> it doesn't count. We also feel like girl groups are constantly releasing music, but they seem to be receiving less attention, even though they release more music. Now, it may just be that YouTube is seriously like, this girl likes girl groups and I'm not going to show her anything else. But I feel like even when I look at the K-pop release reddits and when I'm looking at all of the entertainment company YouTube pages, it's like, so many girl group songs and they are constantly releasing stuff and then like maybe once or twice a month a boy group will release something and you know those videos get so many more views than the girl Mm -hmm. group videos usually unless it's like a group like blackpink and i just feel like it's not fair i feel like the the music videos are around the same quality the songs sound about the same but going back to what emily mentioned before the video and what i just said the audience is young straight girls And they're just not as into the girl groups. Yeah. So boy groups, 
they can last over 10 years. We've seen that with groups like Shiny. I would say Big Bang, but that's kind of a question mark right now. Yeah. Yeah. They can last longer. I would say that's, it has to do with military service. The military service, it's mandatory in South Korea. It is both a hindrance and a help. It's a double-edged sword. Yeah. That means that usually boy groups have to take a hiatus at one point, but then Mm -hmm. they have a comeback. And everyone's like, oh my god, I miss them so much. And they can kind of stretch out their time because it's not so concentrated. But, you know, if members have to leave for military service, the group might lose momentum and implode. I feel like I've seen that happen to a few boy groups where one or two of, like, the most popular members have to go on military leave and the group just falls apart and they never have a comeback. Mm -hmm. So if the fan base is willing to really be obsessive about following them through the military service and, you know, sending the message to the entertainment companies that they really like this group no matter what, and they're, they can't wait for the comeback, then it's more likely. But I feel like it's hard because they just can't update social media when they're in the military. They're relying on kind of like South Korean paparazzi to do that. So I feel like it's, it's tough for them. And boy groups, I feel like are less free to explore different styles. I feel like in the last year, everyone kind of dressed like a skater boy. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of the time, I feel like the styles are more homogenous. Mm-hmm. Girl groups, you know, girls, fashion, you know. Yes. And that's, that, you know, that's not true for every male idol. Some get really creative, like Zaya Junsu is... Oh, I love Zaya. He, he is the South Korean Lady Gaga. Yes. <laughs> we stand by that. Yes, we do. That's like the best thing we've ever come up with. <laughs> Yeah, some people get, NG Dragon is also very involved with mm-hmm. style and fashion, but most of the time the stylist is like, okay, young boy group members, here's your sweater, here's your skinny jeans, here's your snapback. It either looks like that or it looks like they threw 20 pieces of clothing onto them and just a various like mishap array of like just sleeves and like weird things coming out of them. Mullets. Mullets. <laughs> Looking at you, Key. <laughs> Looking at you, Key's stylist. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So I feel like so I feel like the stylists kind of have a tougher grip on the male idols with how they look. Mm-hmm. But the male idols also wear makeup. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but they mm-hmm. wear makeup. They wear uh, foundation, they fill in their eyebrows, and they do eyeliner. Yes. And some guys even go for like a lip tint sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. So... But girls, <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> Alrighty, so let's talk a little bit about market saturation. Particularly in the last three years, it feels like we have been trying to swim against the never-ending tide of new K-pop groups. I feel like every other time I turn around, there's a new K-pop group mm-hmm. that I've never heard of before. And... It just seems, it seems like a whole different landscape than it was when we first started K-pop. Like, like they just started over completely like primal succession. Everyone's gone. Now all these new people are here. That is definitely what it feels like. And with all these people, all these new groups, you know, it's hard to keep track of them all. And there's a girl group called Nature. 
I don't know if you know who they are, Rachel. I, I've never heard of them. I'm so mad. <laughs> it's a new girl group, new-ish girl group called Nature. I know them because I saw some stuff on the K-pop subreddit about them. And the overall consensus is that their music is pretty good, but because there's so much market saturation, no one really knows who they are. There's not, like, something super distinctive about them. Just like we thought Neon Punch had some good music. I don't ever see anyone talking about Neon Punch, like, ever. Even though fucking both of their singles were total bops. I cannot recommend Neon Punch's Moonlight enough. It is so good. And no one ever fucking talks about them. It's kind of sad because there's so many. Not everyone can be popular, you know? And I don't want to say it's a zero-sum game because it's not, but... It feels like it sometimes. It definitely feels like it sometimes. It feels like I'm just... It feels like I'm in a tunnel and there's just K-pop groups flying by (laughs) me with singles. And I just, like, I hear from them and they do, like, two singles and then they disappear off the face of the planet for eight months. And I just feel like that's not sustainable because then the next month, three more new groups come out with singles and you don't hear from them for eight months. And it just... I don't... I cannot keep up with the pace. I'm really trying... But we are having a hard time keeping up with all of the new groups and all of the new songs, even with my thumb on the pulse of the Reddit page (laughs) and on my YouTube recommended, like I'm searching out groups specifically. I still cannot keep up with this new wave of groups every month. This is not our full time job, guys. We don't make any money off of this podcast. We both have things we have to do every day. Maybe if we were like dedicated entertainment journalists, we could. Totally. But- No, as a hobby for something we do like once a week where we try to do research during the week, it is almost impossible Mm -hmm. to cover everything, to know everything, and it has only gotten harder. (laughs) And a lot of these new groups are coming out to appeal to more international audiences, especially to a Chinese audience, which I feel like is one of the largest entertainment consumers out there. You'll notice a lot more Chinese versions of songs now, even like Wavy, a Chinese subunit. They're definitely trying to appeal to China. The audience for this is usually early 20s to late teens. So older groups with older idols are just not as popular with the youngins. Yeah, and I also feel like because music trends have changed, and Emily was talking about this earlier, second-gen discography stuff sounds old now. It sounds dated, and younger people are just not gonna want to listen to that. Just like we don't want to listen necessarily to oldies all the time. I mean, I really, really, really love second-gen, and... Obviously, not all of the music sounds super dated. And even when it does, I still like how it sounds. Yeah. But there was like a period where every fucking song had a dubstep breakdown. Where when, du- when dubstep was popular, I was just like, ugh, this is so bad. So bad. And that's really, really what dates it. And so I can see, you know, some 13-year-old girl being like, ugh, that is like so 2000 late. Yeah, seriously. And that kills us inside. I know. I feel like these new groups are also being allowed to explore these new music trends, whereas second-gen groups are all but gone at this point, but aren't really allowed to explore those new trends. The entertainment companies are kind of like, just shut up and die. (laughs) Kinda. And also, you were saying people want new things. Yeah. 
they're tired of the old groups. They want new groups. And I understand that. I just feel like the intensity at which and the speed at which <laughs> new groups are coming out is just <laughs> overwhelming. It's like we're in a phone booth and there's money flying around and we're trying yes. to grab the dollars and it's, we can only grab so many and it's just not enough. Yep. That's exactly what it's like. <laughs> I'm just like, where? I'm trying to get CL's album. It's just out of reach. <laughs> it's like, oh, 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 oh God. <laughs> You know, when there's a million groups, it's hard to be a stan of just one group anymore. And with big groups like BTS, it's kind of taking away the hardcores away from lesser known groups. We don't, I guess you could say we stan Red Velvet, which we do. But we like other groups too. Mm -hmm. I feel like in the past, it was like, you like this one group and you like this member and that's it. You're not a true fan if you don't only support this one group. And that's not the case. <laughs> it wasn't the case for us then. It's not the case for us now. Yeah. I feel like that's faltering a little bit. But current fandom culture on sites like Twitter and stuff like that, it's like you have to be super hardcore into one thing and one thing only. I just feel like that's so restrictive too, especially in this environment where there are so many groups. You could be fans of 10 different groups with 10 different styles and ideas and goals and you would be just fine yeah but you know when the culture dictates you have to love one thing but there's so many happening the saturation is killing smaller groups yeah i feel like the culture is changing a little bit now i feel like people are more open to having biases Mm -hmm. instead of just one bias so let's move on to our last talking point international audience So K-pop is definitely trending towards more of an international audience. I feel like it it has always had that international audience in mind when creating things, but now it is really like pedal to the metal. We are trying to get plays in other countries on their music charts. Yes, definitely. I also feel like the K-pop industry is less scared of using non-Korean idols, and I feel like they are making, the big three music companies anyways, are making extreme strides towards doing inclusive things like embedding English subtitles in the videos and making subtitles available in multiple different languages, especially the Chinese languages, Mandarin and Cantonese. I feel like those steps are really showing that they are recognizing the international audience and are catering to them more. So the rise and fall of K-pop, it is literally a wave. (laughs) Literally a wave. We think the wave is here to stay. Yeah. It's it's on and up, but, you know, eventually it's going to go back down again, and then it'll come back up again. Yes. We'll still be here. <laughs> yep, we'll still be here loving K-pop. Yeah, we're on the boat. <laughs> we're riding the wave. <laughs> Let's end this episode with our weekly recommendations. My weekly recommendation is Kill This Love by Blackpink. My weekly recommendation is Aquarium by Gun. Hashtag Gun. Hashtag gun. (laughs) Guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. You can find Soulmates Podcast on Facebook.com slash Soulmates Podcast. You can find us on Tumblr, even though it's dead, at soulmatespodcast.tumblr.com. You can find us on Instagram at Soulmates Podcast. You can find us on YouTube at Soulmates Podcast. You can send us an email at soulmatespodcast at gmail.com. And you can find us on any podcast app iTunes, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Podbean, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Yes, just search for Soulmates Podcasts. We got you. 
And I think that's it. Yeah. Have a great week. We'll see you all next Friday. Goodbye. Bye.